And I want to draw our attention here tonight to this chapter, to this particular passage here tonight. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse number 1, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of, Lord, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place, and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep. Watch this now. That the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not, net, did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and called at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. You notice a pattern here. You notice a phrase of God calling Samuel. And tonight I want to preach to you on this thought. I want to bring this subject before you tonight. The night God called a child. The night God called a child. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that in your word. Lord, I pray now that as I preach... Lord, you know that I cannot do this alone. I pray that you'd fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your power. Lord, hide me behind the cross. Lord, may you use me tonight. Help me, Father. May your word go forth with great power, Lord. It doesn't matter what I say, but Lord, it's matter, what matters is what you have to say to us through the word. So, Father, will you help me? In Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. I kind of want to set this scene here before we dive into this passage of Scripture when we come to the book of Judges, it is a book of no king, and it describes a nation in which anarchy was the norm. The Bible says, in fact, that there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in their own eyes. Israel wasn't a united people as during the days of Joshua, but it was a loose confederation of tribes with God-appointed judges ruling in widely separated areas. There was no standing army and there were no permanent military leaders. Men from the different tribes volunteered to defend the land when they were summoned to battle. During those dark days of the judges, we know that a love story took place that's recorded in the book of Ruth. Boaz married Ruth the Moabitess, and from their union came Obed, and then the father of Jesse, who became the father of David the king. If the book of Judges is the book of no king, then 1 Samuel you could think of is the book of man's king. The people of Israel asked God for a king because apparently God wasn't enough to be their king. 
So the people asked that, they would, that God would give them a, them a king and God brought them Saul from the tribe of Benjamin. And we know that Saul unfortunately turned out to be a failure. But then we know that the Lord had prepared David for the throne. And 2 Samuel would be considered the book of God's king. But as we enter 1 Samuel, the course of Israel is about to change. During the period of the judges, the Israelites were in a bad situation because they lacked godly leadership. The priesthood was defiled. There were no sustained prophetic messages from the Lord. And the law of Moses was being ignored throughout the land. And as often as he often did in Israel's history, God began to solve the problem by sending a baby. When you look at scripture, it's almost as if babies are God's announcement that he knows the need, he cares about his people, and is at work on their behalf. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, we find a baby boy boy being born whose name was Samuel. Samuel was God's baby bridge builder at a critical time in Jewish history when the weak confederation of tribes desperately needed direction. He was the last of the judges and the first of a new line of prophets after Moses. He established a school for the prophets and he anointed the two kings, Saul, who of course failed, but David, who did succeed. And at a time when the ages were colliding and everything seemed to be shaking, Samuel gave spiritual leadership to the nation of Israel and helped them move forward to a national unification and spiritual rededication. Here in 1 Samuel now, in 1 Samuel chapter 3, we see how Samuel's journey begins of becoming a great prophet for God. Several thoughts I want to share with you tonight, and this is the first message that I'm preaching that does not have an alliterated outline. So so we're going to dive right into God's word tonight. And I want to show you four thoughts that I see here, four truths from this passage of Scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Number one, I see here the pretty obvious, but number one, I see the call. I see the call in verse number four, the Bible says, and the Lord called Samuel. Verse number six, the Bible says, and the Lord called yet again. Verse number eight, and the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And then verse number 10, and the Lord came and stood and called at other times. In verses one through three, we see that God has been silent to the nation of Israel. This passage in 1 Samuel marks the transition from a time when Israel was not hearing from God to a time when God's word really came freely to all of Israel. We are also told that the word of the Lord was rare at that time and and rare during this time and there were not many visions. And this was a time in Israel's history when Israel was out of communication with God. There was the occasional prophet, such as the man in chapter 2, who came to Eli and, 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 and uh, spoke with him. But by and large, there was no prophetic word from God to Israel. Can I tell you, this is not a good thing. In other words, when we do not hear from God, society tends to go from bad to worse. You can look at our society today. And we see that that statement is true. 
When we are not hearing from God, when we are not hearing what he has to say for us, it's going to go from bad to even worse. And can I tell you, we need God's word to guide and direct us and keep us on the straight path. Now, I know during this time we have God's word and God's word speaks to us and God's word reveals things to us. But at this time, they didn't have the full word of God. In fact, I don't they didn't even have the Old Testament at this time. But now in today's day and age, we have God's word. So we really have no excuse for God to not speak to us today. God's word was, it was silent. Can I tell you that when there is no word from God, that is really a judgment from God, and there is no greater judgment of God upon a people than God's silence. God withheld his word from Israel. Think about that. God's chosen people was not even talking to them. But I say that to say this. Yet while the word of the Lord was rare in those days, that was all about to change through Samuel. Samuel worked under the supervision of Eli the prophet. That's what we had read here in chapter in verse number one. Eli was getting old. He was an old man and his vision was so bad that the Bible says he could not see. Some scholars believe that Samuel at this time was about 12 years old. Some believe he was a little older. Some believe he was a little younger. But most come to the conclusion that he was about a 12-year-old boy. Samuel now, of course, was working for Eli. And the Bible says that Samuel goes and he lies down and goes to sleep. And the Bible says that during the night, God calls unto him. And God called Samuel four different times. The first three times, Samuel thinks that it's Eli. And I love this scene. The Bible says that Samuel, he is alert, he is responsive, and he is obedient. And he runs to Eli and he says, Eli, you called me. Samuel, of course, had no idea what God's voice sounded like, so he would, of course, run to Eli. But Eli, thankfully, was discerning enough to know who was really calling him. So he told Samuel how to respond. As I was studying for this, uh, this message tonight, and I was looking at this passage of Scripture, I came across a statement by J. Vernon McGee, and he said that he believes that the first two times God called Samuel was a call to salvation, as Samuel did not know the Lord. Now, whether that's true or not, I'm not sure. But can I tell you this, that it is true that we must know the Lord spiritually before we can know him personally. You have to know Christ as your Savior in order for God to use you and call you to do something great for him. Samuel could not have been used by God yet because he didn't know who the true almighty God was. Can I tell you that that's the same with us is that the first time that we hear God calling to us, he's calling us to salvation. He's calling us for for us to be saved and to know him as our personal Lord and Savior. And I believe that that's what God was doing to Samuel here. He was saying, Samuel, I want you to know me. Samuel, I want you to know who I am. I'm the creator of the universe. I'm God Almighty. I want you to know me. When God called Samuel, he was calling him to know him and then calling him to be used as his messenger for Israel. Can I tell you tonight, look, God cannot use us until we know him. And can I tell you this tonight as well? Listen, all of us in this room, every single person here tonight has a calling upon our life. 
And God has a plan for each and every one of us. And my prayer this week is that boys and girls during vacation Bible school would first and foremost hear that call from God and be saved. But my prayer is also this, is that after they have received Christ as your Savior, that God calls them to do something great for Him. And I pray that God calls some of these boys and girls and and even teenagers into full-time Christian service. And I pray God calls them to be pastors and to be missionaries and to be evangelists and to be pastors' wives and to be school teachers. And I pray God calls them to do something great for him. Now you say, Pastor Ethan, God doesn't call everybody into full-time Christian ministry. You're exactly right. But God does call, uh, God does have a calling upon everybody's life. And so the matter of the fact is, are we going to do what God tells us to do, or are we going to do what we want to do? We all have a calling upon our life. And I pray that God raises up some children in our ministry and some teenagers to go out and to do something great for Him. I tell kids often in our children's ministry, I say, look, do what God wants you to do. If God wants you to be a lawyer, a doctor, an accountant, Whatever it is, do it. Do it. Because the best place that you can be, listen now, the best place that you can be is in the center of God's will. There's no greater place that you can be. I was in a ministry before I came down to Florida. I was in a ministry where I saw teenagers. They would tell their parents, Mom, Dad, I I, want to go into full-time ministry I want to go train and I want to go to Bible college. I want to be a missionary, be a pastor. I want to be a, a, an evangelist. And I saw this happen. Their parents would say, and they, their parents would look at them and say, no, you're going to stay here. You're going to do community college. You're going to do something else with your life. And can I tell you, that's a dangerous line to cross when it comes to God's will. Now listen, is God going to call everybody into full-time ministry? No. If God called everybody to be a pastor, there would be no pastors. There would be nobody to to preach to. If God called everybody to be a missionary, there would be nobody to go be a missionary to. But we have to do God's will. We have to do what He tells us to do, and we have to be obedient to Him. And I challenge you that if a child comes to you and they say, hey, God's working in my life about this or like this or like this, then be a blessing and a help to them and encourage them. In the 11th century, King Henry III of Bavaria grew tired of court life and the pressures of being a monarch. He made application to Prior Richard at a local monastery, asking to be accepted as a uh, uh, contemplative and spend the rest of his life in the monastery. Your Majesty, said Prior Richard, do you understand that the pledge here is one of obedience? That will be hard because you have been a king. I understand, said Henry. The rest of my life I will be obedient to you as Christ leads you. Then I will tell you what to do, said Prior Richard. Go back to your throne and serve faithfully in the place where God has put you. When King Henry died, a statement was written. The king learned to rule by being obedient. 
When we tire of our roles and responsibilities, it helps to remember God has planted us in a certain place and told us to be a good accountant or a good teacher or a good mother or a good father. Christ expects us to be faithful where he puts us and when he returns, we'll rule together with him. The best thing that anybody could do is be obedient to the calling of God. The call here, God called Samuel. Not only do I see the call here, but I see the message. A message was given to Samuel in verse 11. The Bible says, And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel, at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. For I, have, for I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. And therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of God's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. Now, Eli had told Samuel to go back to bed and they told him how to respond the next time he heard that voice calling him. And what I love is that Samuel obeyed and did what Eli had told him to do. And because Samuel was obedient to God and to Eli, he heard the message from the Lord and learned what God had planned to do. Now, this was certainly a heavy message for a young boy to hear. But in doing so, perhaps God was rebuking the spiritual laziness of the adults for which for which of them could God give this message to? Can I tell you this, that when God can't find an obedient adult, he sometimes calls a child. There's proof right here in 1 Samuel. This was a heavy message. This was a heavy warning from God. The Lord would judge the house of Eli because of Eli's two sons, Hothni and Phinehas, because they made themselves vile and Eli did nothing to restrain them. Though Eli and his sons were priests, they could offer no sacrifice that could atone for their sins. Their sins were deliberate and defiant and for such sins, no sacrifice could be offered. And not only had they defiled themselves, but they had also defiled the priesthood. The Lord had been long-suffering and he had been courteous toward the house of Eli, but they had not repented and had not turned from their sins. And now it was too late. Now, sometimes when God calls us, there are things that he gives us that we may not understand and it may not make sense to us. I can only imagine Samuel here probably thinking to himself, what in the world is the Lord talking about? This was a heavy message. This was a very Heavy thing to say at at such a young age to a boy. But what did Samuel do? He listened. Now, I don't think that maybe Samuel understood the whole context of what God was saying. But he listened. He was attentive. May I say tonight that when God speaks, may we listen and may we be attentive. The message that was given. Number three here, I love this, I see the response. I see the response that took place. Verse number 15, what does the Bible say? And Samuel lay into the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. 
Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, here am I. And he said, what is this thing that the Lord hath said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so to thee and more also. If thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said unto thee. And Samuel told him every whit and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him Samuel had heard the voice of God and received the message of God, but he still got up early in the morning and he still got up and did the responsibilities that he had. He went back to his old task and doing what he was supposed to be doing. He opened the doors of the sanctuary so the people could come to sacrifice and he said nothing to Eli about what God had told him. Can I tell you, this shows really a remarkable maturity of such a young boy at such a young age not saying anything to anybody, but just going back to work, doing what he was supposed to do. Most young people, (laughs) most young people would have been proud of their experience with the Lord. Let me tell you, if God would have came to me in the night, you would not hear the end of it. If the Lord came to me, he said, hey, Ethan, first of all, I'd be like, is this really God? (laughs) He said, hey, Ethan, And I have a conversation with God. Let me tell you, I'd be so ecstatic the whole world would know. The next day I'm running into the office. I'm going straight to Pastor Johnny's office. I'm going to say, you will not believe this. And then after I go to Pastor Johnny's office, I'm going to call Pastor Boucher. I'm going to say, Pastor, I know it's your day off, but you will not believe this. And then after I call Pastor Boucher, I'm going to go down to Connie. I'm going to say, Connie, you will not believe this. The whole world is going to know that God spoke to me, but Samuel showed maturity. Samuel was humble. And he went back to doing what he was supposed to be doing. Samuel was faithful in his everyday past. When Samuel had finally told Eli what the Lord told him, Eli responded in a a passive manner. Eli was an old man. Eli had lost his vision. And he had not been a good father and he had not been a good priest. And he already knew what judgment was coming. He knew that God was going to do something. And all Eli could do was wait for the sword to fall. Eli had his faults, as we all do, and we must really appreciate the positive attitude that he came to with Samuel. He could have easily been mad. He could have easily been frustrated. He could have easily been upset. Because he knew Samuel was the next successor as a spiritual leader in Israel. And if Eli really had shown the same concern when his sons were young like Samuel, things might have been a little different. But now in a different context, let me ask you this. What would your response be when your child or a child comes to you and they say, I believe God wants me to do this? I believe God wants me to do that. Will you encourage them? Will you help them? Will you guide them? Will you take them under your wing and and bring them along? What will your response be? Eli had a passive response. I believe our response should be encouraging. It should be helpful. You you believe God's called you to pastor? Hey, let me help you. You believe God called you into uh, into the medical field? Hey, Mr. Scott, come over here. Let's talk to him. The response that had taken place. Most of the children that we deal with between Kids Jam and really mostly Kids Jam and Kids City come from families that, excuse me now, could give two rips about what they do. 
about where they go, how they dress, what they say. And really, these kids dictate whether they go to church or not. And I believe that as a church and as the children's ministry, that we should take these children under their wings and we should help them and we should guide them and we should lead them in the right direction. And may we encourage children to do God's will for their life and may we have a great positive response on the matter. The response had taken place. Lastly, number four, and I'll be finished. I see here the blessing. There was a blessing here. Look at, look at verse number 19. The Bible says, And Samuel grew, watch this now, and the Lord was with him, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan even to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of of the Lord. For the second time we are told that Samuel grew, but the affirmation is added here that uh, and the Lord was with him. The Lord was really against Eli and his sons because of his laziness and because of the sin that had taken place, but God's blessing was upon Samuel and upon his ministry. And unlike the other judges, Samuel's words and influence would reach the entire nation and the people recognized that God had called Samuel to be a prophet and to declare the word of God and the will of God. And once again, the Lord appeared from time to time into, into Shiloh and revealed himself to the prophet and God was speaking again and God was revealing himself again. And, and yes, there would be uh, challenges and there would be dangers, but there will also be new blessings and new victories because Samuel decided to step up and say, God, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do. Can I tell you this tonight? That when we obey God, that there's a blessing in that. Now, should we obey God to receive a blessing? No. <laughs> we should obey God because we love the Lord and we want, to do what's, we want to do what He wants us to do. But because of our obedience, God blesses that. And I fully, 100% believe that because Samuel obeyed God's voice and Samuel did what he was supposed to do, that God blessed him. I want children to receive a blessing from God as they get older because they obeyed God and they did what He wanted them to do. When we are obedient to God, He blesses us. Don't rob somebody away from their blessing. Encourage them. Help them. Bring them along the way. I pray that there is a boy and girl, boys and girls, that can be like a next Samuel. I've been praying that God raises up some of these boys and girls and teenagers to do something great for Him. When we obey God, we're blessed. And we'll receive a blessing from Him. As the golfer approached the first tee, a hazardous hole with a green surrounded by water, he debated if he should use his new golf ball. Sounds like me. Deciding that the hole was too treacherous, he pulled out an old ball and placed it on the tree, excuse me, on the tee. 
Just then he heard a voice from above say loudly, Use a new ball. Frightened, he placed the ball, excuse me, frightened, he placed the old ball with the new one and approached the tee. Now the voice from above shouted, Take a practice swing. With this, the golfer stepped back, took a swing. Feeling more confident, he approached the tee when the voice again rang out, Use the old ball. I say that because the will of God, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Only God's will. May God raise up the next generation to do something great for Him. We know, and I'm almost done, we know and we understand that the world is in our kids' ears. And they will do everything to shove their ideology, ideology and everything to shove their theology and everything to shove their propaganda into their ears and into their minds. And I say as Calvary Baptist Church that we stand up and we say this is what God's word says and do what God wants you to do because that's where you'll find real happiness and real peace and real joy. And we encourage children to do God's will for their life.